You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross, and welcome, everybody, to episode 49 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Our guest today is Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM NHL Radio Network and NHL.com. A spirited conversation on where the Leafs go with free agency moving forward as it hits on Wednesday at noon Eastern time. Before we get there, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup of DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid over. Are you ready for this? Seven billion dollars to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. There is no better place to get in on all the action. I would assume that when you're paying out seven billion bucks, you're going to be leading something. Here is the call to action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. The code is THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. What's that code again? THPN. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, let's get into this. What do the Leafs do? Zach Hyman gone. They won't work out a deal with Edmonton, but he's going to go when the free agent gates open on Wednesday at noon Eastern time. So how do you replace him? How do you find a backup goaltender or a tandem partner for Jack Campbell? And is it just Zach Hyman you have to replace up front? And oh, yes. The Maple Leafs said to be after a veteran defenseman. It won't be Zach Bogosian because we're told that he's going elsewhere. So a lot of stuff up in the air. Here is that conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM NHL Radio Network and NHL.com. Okay, uh, so you know, here's the situation. Obviously, the expansion draft went sort of the way most people thought. It was a little painful. Uh, the entry draft with the three picks, not a big story for the Leafs, but now it's on the free agency and clearly with 9.3 million bucks, they have to find at least two wingers, two left wingers, maybe a depth forward. They said they're going to get a depth defenseman, and they certainly need a goaltender. The goaltender goes to the top of my list, and this is very, very tricky stuff. I'm with you, Jim. It's not going to be easy. Uh, the Leafs find themselves in a really tight spot right now to try to round out that lineup. And I feel like we go back to it every time I'm on, but I really do believe uh, this was the origin for the issues that the Leafs now find themselves in, was that the contracts, the three big contracts signed two, two and a half years ago, uh, were mismanaged, and and they're overpayments now, and there's really no other debate about it. Um, If if those had been handled better, they would have had an extra four, four and a half million dollars to spend, and that would have made life a lot easier to round out the lineup. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it, it doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence uh, right now if I'm a Leaf fan that um, the roster on paper will be worse than last year's roster unless Kyle Dubas is willing to do significant cosmetic surgery, which is to say move one of those big contracts to give himself uh, a lot more cap space 
to totally overhaul the look of this team. But I don't think that's the direction they're going to go. So um, right now, uh, you know, I'm with you. A goaltender is, is priority number one. Uh, Jack Campbell, I, I like. I think he, he showed signs of uh, being able to take on a larger role at the National Hockey League level. But he's never really, well not never really, never actually been the guy um, to be a number one goalie throughout an entire season, uh, let alone an 82-game regular season. And, you know, you look at the schedule in April next year, 15 games. Uh, that's going to be a busy month. You're going to need two goalies. You're going to need two goalies uh, throughout the season. Um, it, it's going to be difficult to find uh, that type of a guy and losing Zach Hyman um, is also not ideal because he's a guy, Jim, that quite frankly I think they need more of, not less of. Um they're they're really in a tight spot right now, and quite frankly, an uninspired spot. If I'm a Leafs fan, yeah, I would I, I agree with what you're saying there. But to me, there's a there's an element of not understanding how things track. Now, I mean, clearly, when a pandemic hits, uh, the altered financial state of everything is taken into consideration. Um, that is more than a year and a half ago. So the writing was on the wall as soon as we shut down in early 2020 that the economics were not going to be the same. Um, having said that, the Zach Hyman situation was uh, a line in the sand, and everybody knew where it was, uh, and there wasn't much done. What I'm what I'm suggesting to you is, is they didn't read these situations. Um, certainly, the financial one, even pandemic or not, is based on uh, being able to spend more, which means that you're spending money that you don't have right now, which is precarious. Uh, and the, the Hyman situation, I think, either could have been prevented by either going after him and locking him up earlier or acquiring other Zach Hyman-type players. They failed on both accounts. I mean, they are really sowing the, or, I guess, reaping the benefits of, of some bad seeds here. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you. Now, um, they, they certainly could have gone after Zach earlier and tried to lock him up. He may not well have been willing to sign a deal, and that I'm not sure on, but I could see that side of the coin as well, that he'd want to try to put together – um, his best resume, so to speak, going into free agency. So that could be how it played out. And the pandemic is, is something that, that nobody could have seen coming. So it's re- it, to me, it's difficult to fault uh, Kyle Dubas too much on that. Uh, but like I say, where I, where I do go back and fault him is those three big contracts. And those were signed before the pandemic. And yes, the, the, the prevailing sentiment at the time was that the cap would continue to go up. But I still don't think, even with that thought process, that's a, a prudent course of action. Because, look, okay, so uh, you, you, you pay Matthews, you pay Marner, you pay Nylander um, every single dollar and cent that they wanted. But I still wouldn't consider those contracts wins for the team. Because if I'm going to go down that road and I'm going to give you all that much money, okay, then I'm going to need eight years. I'm going to need eight years to lock you in for a long time. They didn't get thought. They didn't get thought on any one of those three guys. So it was a win for the player on the money, and it was a win for the player on the term. And now that's really come back to bite you. Like if you wanted, if you're Matthews and you wanted five years, and you're Marner and you wanted six years, okay. Well, then the the, the dollars and cents are going to have to come way down, right? But it didn't. And, and as a result, that's why they don't have an extra four, four and a half, maybe five million dollars in cap space. If you know they could have got Matthews at ten instead of eleven six, and uh, Marner at uh, eight and a half as opposed to uh, almost eleven, you know there's uh, there's three point six, and if they could have got 
uh, Nylander for six as opposed to six nine. There's essentially four and a half right there, and that's uh, that's one really quality winger. That's that's Zach Hyman. Um, you know, if not uh, two two quality wingers, which you really need at this point. So it, it's it's just disappointing to see how how it's it's trended to me very significantly in a negative direction since those big contracts were signed. Um, in terms of playoff production, those guys have underperformed, and the team at large has gotten worse because of the anchor that that has put on their cap situation. Yeah, I totally agree. You summed it up nicely. So let's go to the goaltender situation. I mean, there is a, a list of people that are out there, and I, I'm not overwhelmed by the list just because uh, the Leafs have limited cap money to spend, and they're going to have to wait around for a situation to fit, which doesn't, you know, there's two, there's two agendas here. Get the guy who fits and then get the guy who, who is best for your team. Well, if you get the guys best for your team, you won't be able to afford them. So, so right. you're looking at people that, that are, that are, you know, going to be sort of pliable financially and maybe a normal goaltender in the free agent market would like three years. So, so I don't know that you want to go there. You're looking at a guy for, for maybe two years, and, and not much money. I mean, that's that's not a, a ringing endorsement for a backup, is it? No, it's not. It, it's not at all. It's not a guy that, uh, to me, suggests that you have confidence every time you put him between the pipes. It's a guy that, to me, suggests you hope he is good every time you put him between the pipes. And it's difficult to win, Jim, when you're running your goaltending on hope and not uh, assuredness. Now, you look at the teams that went deep uh, this year into the playoffs. I'm talking like into the third round. Um, every single one of those teams had assurance that the guy they were putting between the pipes was going to be able to get the job done. Um, and if you don't have that, it's just about impossible to go deep in, uh, in the playoffs. And, and with the cap situation that the Leafs find themselves in uh, right now in order to go out and address that issue – I don't see how they'd put him in a guy that has anything other than hope. I mean, you look at some of the free agents available out there. Um, you know, James Reimer, you bringing him back. Uh, Peter Morazic, does he get to market? Uh, Carter Hutton, and they've already gone down the David Riddick road, and he was he was uninspiring when they uh, when they acquired him, and he got brief action. Uh, Brian Elliott, like none of these names really to me suggests okay, there's a guy that can form. Uh, a real legitimate one-two tandem with uh, with Jack Campbell, who himself has question marks right now in terms of how he'll perform over the, the span of a full six-month, 82-game season. So, you know, again, I, I know Kyle Dubas wants to come back with the same team and take one more kick at it, but you just look at some of the areas that will have holes in because of that approach, and I don't see how you can contend when you have holes in um, any areas of, of, of your team that they, that they will have, let alone um, multiple areas of a team. To me, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe this is sounding drastic, Jim, but if you were to ask me right now to put a bet down uh, in a significant bet to say, oh, for sure, the Leafs will make the playoffs next year, I wouldn't be all that confident in placing that bet. Well, you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you because that goaltending situation that you mapped out, the, the starter goal, starting goaltender who hasn't really played a full season as a starter at 1.65, and those names that you mentioned as possible backups, that describes a team 
that would have trouble making the playoffs. If you forget yeah. that you were talking about the Leafs and just went with your goaltender description, that is definitely a team on the outside of the playoff picture. I'm absolutely with you on that, Jim. And here's an example that I'll use. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers last year. Carter Hart, really, really quality, good young netminder, guy that projects to have a long career in the league, and I think he will. But he did not have a good year last year. And that will happen at times, especially for a young goaltender. Uh, or in, in, in this case, to bring it back to a Leafs situation, an inexperienced netminder, which Jack Campbell is. He's not young per se, but he's inexperienced. Um, and the backup that they had in Philadelphia last year, Brian Elliott, a uh, great guy in the room, universally respected in the league, but at, a, at an elevated age where he wasn't able to deliver uh, the kind of uh, insurance, so to speak, that would help Carter play himself out of a bad stretch. And, and by that time, the season had gotten away from Philadelphia because neither guy they put between the pipes was capable of giving them a consistent stop on a regular basis. And that, to me, is a similar scenario that I see playing out with the Leafs this year because I don't see how they're going to find a guy uh, to compliment Jack Campbell. And like I said, that will have some level of assurance. It'll be hope and an older guy um, in this league. And it didn't work out well in Philadelphia, and I'm just, I don't have the confidence that it'll work out well this year with the Maple Leafs. I'm sure Jack Campbell will be good, uh, yeah. but I don't know if he can be good for 65 games. I don't think he can be. Um, no goalie really is in the league anymore. You need a quality, quality 1B starter, especially in another season where it's going to be a compressed schedule with the Olympic break. Where are they going to find that guy? Well, sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're following the Leafs, you see what other teams do, and you try and plug the Leafs scenario into it. Now, the Detroit acquisition of Nedeljkovic uh, is something the Leafs should have looked at. We don't know if they did or not. Uh, so you, you trade a, a UFA goaltender, which could have been Freddie Anderson, didn't have the, uh, the third-round pick to, uh, to spice it up. But, um, you know, that's something that, yeah. you know, that type of trade, I'm not saying that trade exactly, but that type of move is something that's sort of a wild card for us because we don't know what they're talking about. But, but I, I see something like that as, as the answer to some of their problems. How about you? Well, so then do you look at Minnesota and a guy like Kapil Kakinen? They left him unprotected, Minnesota did, in the draft. Um, was that because they don't have confidence in what they saw out of him moving forward? Or is it because they were rolling the dice uh, that he wouldn't get picked and hoping he wouldn't get picked and he didn't? Um, to me, it would be an indication of the latter. Uh, when I spoke with Billy Guerin, um, I guess maybe six weeks, two months into the year, uh, when Capo Kakinen was on a real hot streak, uh, Billy Guerin seemed to have uh, a lot of praise for, for Kakinen and, and, and spoke in a way that he felt he's going to be a guy that they'd like to have around long term. So that's why it threw me off a little bit when they left him unprotected. But, you know, I think they also wanted to make sure they retained Cam Talbot because Minnesota's in a position where they'd like to have uh, a quality tandem of their own. And if they had lost Cam, who had a good year last year, once he got back from injury, you know, then what direction are they going to go down? Then they'd find themselves in a similar position as the Maple Leafs would. Um, and so that to me would be a similar trade to the Nedeljkovic situation in Carolina, which to me, uh, caught me, I think, frankly, the entire league off guard uh, that Carolina would be willing to move on from a guy that was a Calder Trophy finalist and, and quite frankly, wrestled away the number one job 
from Peter Morazic and James Reimer. That, that blew me away, especially considering even what they gave up for him, which was virtually nothing. And I loved, yeah. just for a moment of levity, I loved Steve Eiserman's response when he was asked, well, why do you think Carolina was confident in giving that up? And he was like, uh, uh, you're going to have to ask them why they were comfortable in other words. I was, I was quite comfortable. But I mean, that, I, I got I to get out of here. You know, I, let's not draw too much attention. They're going to come back out some more. Um, but, but, I mean, but that's, that's kind of a creative trade. I mean, you can't predict. It was. I mean, when, when Detroit makes that trade, we're all stunned. So this is really what the Leafs have to do is, something that we're not thinking of. They do. Um, I just don't – and I think Carolina is now in a similar – if not a worse position than Toronto is right now because they're in a position where they intend to contend. And now they have, like, literally zero goalies on their roster. They have all unrestricted free agents. So they don't need to just find one guy. They need to find two. Um, <laughs> whether that's bringing back Morazic, which, you know, even if you do that, I mean, I think they need an upgrade on Morazic. Um, so there's another team that's in, in competition uh, to fill their goaltending with, with real quality, quality guys. Uh, maybe Freddie Anderson ends up in, uh, in Carolina. Um, again, I think there's, there's some hope involved there if that's the direction they go down based on the year that Freddie had last year. So I guess my point is, yeah, I'm with you on how they're going to have to approach it and that the names that are available in unrestricted free agency are not all that enticing. But they're going to have competition as well in order to fill that spot. Toronto's not the only team out there looking for a quality goalie. And I just don't think whether it's through free agency or trade, uh, there's a lot out there to pick from, especially when there's a lot of teams that are going to be in competition for a limited number of guys. Well, look, at the end of the day, when we're talking about them finding the wingers and the goaltender, then we'll forget about the add-on defenseman. That's another debate. But when we're talking about those three players, if in fact it's three players, they can't be, here's what we found that could fit into our salary cap because that does not win a Stanley Cup. Well, no, but that's the situation they've painted themselves into is that this is going to be, what, the third year now, essentially, where Kyle Dubas is going to have to go out in unrestricted free agency um, and find – uh, either either reclamation projects, younger guys like a Galchenyuk, um, or older veteran guys that are willing to come here uh, for virtually free, league minimum, and yeah. then place place a bet that you will be able to get um, significantly more production out of them than their salary would otherwise suggest. And and, and recent history suggests that uh, Kyle Dubas doesn't have a very good track record in placing those bets. Jason Spezza was good last year. Um, he, was, he was far more than a $750,000 player. Everybody else that he brought in, whether it was Jumbo Joe, whether it was Wayne Simmons, um, did not really produce to the level that they needed them to produce. Um, and, and yet again, they're going to be in that, in that situation. So, that's very difficult to do to find guys um, at that money to overperform their contract because generally speaking, if they're going to be able to perform better than that, there's going to be at least one other team that's going to be willing to offer them a lot more than $750,000. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of underwhelming to say the very least. And then there's the admission by Kyle Dubas that he wants to add a, a veteran defenseman like Bogosian. And, and I don't uh... – Here's my problem with that. You know, I, I, I don't disagree with the theory, but most people were thinking that uh, 
Travis Dermott would be snapped up by Seattle. He was not. You've got these two guys on the farm system, uh, Lilligren and Sandine, that you've admitted that you've blocked their development. And if you bring in that veteran defenseman, you're going to block their development again. So my question is, why are they there? The young guys, you mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. I mean, no, that, I don't that, get that, it either. That, that's asset management. Move them out. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way. I think when he says he's looking to bring in a veteran defenseman, again, that's um, a guy that's making you know less than a million bucks on a one-year deal. So what it does is if you feel that Sandine or Lilligren um, uh, outplays them for a job, then you can put the guy in the American Hockey League on waivers. His contract goes away. It doesn't provide you um, constraints to your salary structure. So I don't, I don't think they're going to go down the road where it's going to be a deal for a guy that will, that will eat up salary cap space. Um, I think it's more the case of, look, we want to bring in a guy where um, we're going to give Sandine and Lilligren an opportunity to win a job, but if it becomes abundantly clear that they just cannot handle those minutes, well, then we've got a guy that we can – uh, play in, in the sixth spot, so to speak, and take on 12 or 15 minutes. Just give us some depth, some assurance. So I, I think that's um, how I would interpret it. Um, but again, I, I think you got to give those young guys a real good look to see what they're capable of doing. Frankly, they should have been doing that in years past. Um, and um, if, if you're not confident, it's time to move them out. But at this point, you know, how much value do they have if they prove they can't play? at this level when they have virtually no value, um, it would be really squandered assets where maybe uh, a couple of years ago, Timothy Lilligren might've been able to get you something back uh, given the way he played the year they came off and called her cup championship. Um, so uh, again, I would agree. It's an example of poor asset management. Uh, and the other thing is, I, I think if we were talking a week ago, everybody would have been thrilled if Seattle had taken Alex Kerfoot. Well, they didn't. Yeah. And, and now, because McCann is gone, and when you look at that roster, uh, they're almost in a position where they, they couldn't trade Alex Kerfoot if they wanted to. He's kind of important. Everybody was talking about that 3.5 going out the door. But, I mean, you know, he's either going to play on the wing in a top six position or, or a number three center. And it's not like they have a replacement for either one of those spots as we speak right now. No, they don't, and that's, I think, why they brought in uh, Jared McCann, hoping that uh, Seattle would, would take Kerfoot, but I'm really not surprised that they didn't. Why would they? Why would you uh, burden yourself with this cap hit right now? Clearly, the path that Ronnie Francis went down in Seattle with a Kraken was with the M.O. that calf space is king. So clearly he wasn't going to go anywhere near uh, Alex Kerfoot. If they had a loss and they would have had Jared McCann, they would have been able to plug that in. would have been a bit of a cap savings there, which would have been good. But, um, again, general managers are not going to look to throw you uh, a life preserver when you're in the position of the Leafs are. They're going to throw you an anvil. So they took McCann, and, and now I, I, you know, you, you'd still like to dry, divest yourself of Kerfoot's salary. But you're right, in a way, um, you kind of need him on the roster as well because if you were to lose him, how do you go out and you replace him? Well, then you'd be placing another one of those $750,000 bets. Um, right. And that's just, you know, men. <laughs> Championship caliber teams, that's not how they're built. It just simply is not how they're built. Um, you could argue that, that Tampa Bay kind of placed one of those bets with Barkley Gaudreau uh, when they went out and made that deal. Um, he gave up a first-round pick and got a guy that was playing for under a million bucks. It worked out well. Um, 
you know, but he's, he was a young guy at the time, not an aging veteran and not really, uh, not really a, a reclamation project either at the time. He was just a younger guy where um, I, I don't think he really fit in the system that they took him out of. So they were more than willing to get a, a first round pick for him. Um, maybe a bit of a different story that way. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's fascinating. In the past, and and I'm going to change how I describe this team. I would have described their salary cap situation as a team that has won a cup or two uh, that actually can't get through the first round. That has the salary cap issue of a team that has won a, a cup or two. But now I have to adjust it based on what we've said here today. This is a team that that has not gotten through the first round. That has the cap hit of a team that has won cups three or four years ago. I mean, it, it's, almost yeah. a, it's almost a disintegrating situation, isn't it? It is. It's, it's starting to remind me an awful lot of the Los Angeles Kings in, say, 2019, right, where they had won their cups, uh, and then three or four years down the road, um, you start to get into a position where all that success comes back to haunt you because you've paid guys a lot of money, you've sacrificed uh, futures in order to augment your team at the time, like the Leafs tried to do this past uh, this past season when they went out and they gave up a first-round pick for Nick Foligno, and uh, they made a bunch of deals. David Riddick at the deadline uh, gave up a lot of picks because they thought they were in a position to contend, didn't work out. Now you get uh, you know, into this offseason and wait for a year from now, you'll realize how bare the cupboard is and that there is no one coming up the pipeline uh, in order to help round out your roster at a reasonable rate, um, in other words, on entry level, because they've given up a lot of those futures. Um, and then you see what happens. Those teams like Chicago and like L.A., they go through prolonged periods of, of, of down times while they try to retool with what will be, in the Leafs' case, a core that won't quite be as aged as the L.A.'s and Chicago's was, but uh, what they will be is nearing the end of their contracts and approaching unrestricted free agency, which could be another indicator uh, of the end of your winning window in, uh, in three years or so. Uh, so, you know, again, I just I really don't see how, unless Dubas decides it's time to move one of those big three contracts to give himself much more of an ability to, to, to retrofit this team. I don't see how you continue to win um, in this situation. Because I don't think the cap's going to go up much higher in the next couple of years. And um, the cover, there's, there, the cavalry is not on the way, so to speak, when it comes to, to young guys. It's a really difficult situation. It is. Dave, we'll end on that. Thanks very much. Always great, Jim. Thanks, buddy. Last minute of play in this podcast. Well, thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning. So let's play a quick yes guy, no guy on the way out. So here's how we're going to set this up. Yes guy, no guy number one, selecting Matthew Nyes with pick number 53 in the second round. That is an emphatic yes guy. From all the reports, it looks like this is a really good pick. In fact, maybe they got away with something here. But this guy seems to be a nice fit, works out with Austin Matthews, Shane Doan in Arizona in the offseason, and looks like he could be on the Leafs roster maybe two to three years down the road. Yes guy, no guy number two. No deal to move Zach Hyman. Oh, I'm going to go yes guy in this. Why do you want to help the Edmonton Oilers? It's apparent that the Oilers didn't offer much, and all the Leafs were going to do was provide cap space for the Oilers by helping them out with an extra year on the contract. So so why would you want to participate for basically compensation that you're not happy with to help the Edmonton Oilers? They said no, and I say yes, guy. 
Yes Guy, No Guy number three in our final Yes Guy, No Guy in this particular podcast. Leaves goaltending as a priority. Oh, Yes Guy. I talked to Marty Baron the other day, and he was mentioning that Halak would be a nice fit. I have to agree, but it is a priority. Yes Guy. Hope you enjoyed Leafs Guy episode 49. Hope you come back for Leafs Guy episode 50 next week.